0: Michelle.
1: So, David. It,
0: it has been
1: pretty intense lately. It has. And look, I'm kind of just over it. What?
0: Really sick of governments falling over, warlords trying to take over governments, people invading, people talking about invading. Barbie being banned in Vietnam because of the Nine Dash Line—that's something we should talk about, but not today. No, today I want to go back to basics. Let's have fun. I just want to get back to the real stuff that we talk about here, which is spies. And oh, how, oh, spies. Yes. How, how utterly stupid they can be. I know. I've got one in front of. Hello. Uh, right, and you know exactly as you said, you've yep. got one in front of you. Yeah. How the hell did? this person comes by. I have no idea. So I want to talk about how we recruit intelligence officers, yeah. but also I want to talk about how we recruit agents. And in amongst this is the stupidest story you are ever
1: going to hear. I can't wait. Strategy. You're listening to I Spied, the empty pen of Australian intelligence. Um, can... Just trying to write a letter. Okay, can you... Put it away.
0: Oh, yeah. just right on.
1: And welcome to I Spied. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Kellan. And I have to say, it's been a rough while, and we've been talking about this, that a lot of serious topics, Yeah. and we kind of have forgotten that we actually are I Spied.
0: We're idiots. Well, I'm an idiot, and you're the person that basically keeps <laughs> the idiot under control.
1: So we thought we would switch things up. We'll go back to basics and get back into the kind of spy genre that we love so much and that, you know, kind of how, what started this whole podcast to begin with.
0: And interestingly enough, I, I, I I've gotten into storytelling of late. There are storytelling rooms. Oh,
1: wait. You are a storyteller? Yeah. I I mean, I can... I, I, can, I can barely get a peep out of you.
0: Exactly. I know. I'm such a shy, retiring little wallflower. Yeah. And um, the funny thing is, of course, I do talk a, a bit about ASIO when I'm doing my storytelling stuff because there's lots of stories. Did you Yeah, know that? Yeah, I
1: 150 do. 150
0: episodes. I know, yeah, it's, it's, been, sort of... it's
1: been three years of your stories, mate. <laughs> Suck it.
0: <laughs> right. Well, the great thing was, and a lot of people always ask me, how did you wind up there? How did you wind up working for ASIO? And a lot of people actually contact me through our Twitter feed, at I Spy Podcast. At I Podcast. I love the way you always have to correct me. Because
1: no, no, no. It's just I like to be clear. Thorough. Consistent. Size.
0: Good. Essentially, a lot of people sort of go, "How do I get into
1: Asia?" Yeah, and I feel like you have become an ASIO recruitment driver. I am
0: a rec- I am a one man recruiter You, for you ASIO. are
1: because they they hear you and they go if. He could get in. Surely anyone (laughs) could get in. Surely
0: I could. Yeah. Right. Now, before we go any further, the most important thing you need to realize is there is a difference between, and we've spoken about this before, an officer and an agent. Yes. Right. Now, to give you clarity, an officer is a direct employee of the organization. Okay. So ASIO, CIA, FBI, any of that – like. FBI are the only guys that call themselves agents. And they call themselves special agents, but everyone else calls themselves- Because
1: they like to think they're special. Special.
0: Right. But everyone else either calls themselves an officer or an operative. Okay. The agent is recruited by the organization Mm. to do a task or gather very specific information under the instruction of an officer of the organization. Right. So that's how it works. So- Yes. Officer recruitment. Yep. Now- I'm going to bring up a character here. We're going to go back to
1: 1914.
0: Okay, great. There you go. Put on that nice long frock that goes down to your ankles and those weird boots that are very high-heeled but lace up.
1: Right. I've, been, I've been waiting to be put back into my place. And play,
0: play some, Yes, on, I'm, I'm standing
1: by the kitchen as we speak.
0: Thank you very much. I've just put my dicky bow on. Right. Uh, and speaking of that, let us talk about the legendary spymaster for MI6, Captain Sir Mansfield Smith Cumming. Oh.
1: Oh my god, that sounds! You know what it sounds like? It sounds like an English cricketer at Lords. Sounds <laughs> like a
0: member of Lords in the long room going, "Oh, god, shame, shame!" Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, well, uh, the ashes. I don't need to talk anymore about no, that. No, let's not. i just spent so much time on because people Twitter. in other
1: countries are listening to this, going, "What, what? is cricket? Why do we care about Why? cricket? Because
0: it's a great game no, with not. a spirit that influences." The game, if you're English, but it doesn't. And to our
1: American listeners, it's kind of like but baseball, but longer.
0: It's baseball that goes over five days to yes. get lunch in the middle. Right. Okay. So he was the founder, one of the founders mm. of MI6, and possibly he was the inspiration for Bond's Q. Right, I the love
1: Bond's Q. Q, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, right. The Q character. Yep. Now the interesting thing is, he was he he was regarded as a spy master, but he had a, he had a few own goals and a couple of problems. Mm. He lost his weapons expert in an overseas country, and they were very worried. They thought he might have been captured, or he was lying low because he was about yep. to get captured. Actually, he got lost. Okay. <laughs> He got lost in a foreign country and couldn't find anyone that spoke English so they could give him directions out. Right. So this is the, again, we're talking about it's a new organisation, MI6 at this point in 1914. He fell in for a report that came out of Germany that said all German spies had a second row of teeth. So that was how he was trying to identify German spies by looking in people's mouths. A
1: second row of teeth.
0: A second row of teeth. Because one, like they're sharks. As they break out, another one moves into position. It's kind of
1: like Tom Cruise who has three front teeth. It has, well, you saw him live. I know. Uh, I went to Mission Impossible. I have to say, it's a great movie. It is? It's I'm not a big, brilliant.
0: I'm not a big fan of the Mission Impossible what? because everyone goes, it's a spy film. And if you listen to the Double Impact podcast, mm. I actually talk about how Mission Impossible is not a spy movie.
1: Look, regardless of that, this is an incredible movie. Mm. I highly recommend everyone go see it.
0: Oh, I'm going to go see it. I'm also yeah. going to go see Oppenheim. Also,
1: Tom Cruise is 61 and he's still doing those stunts. He's unbelievable. Anyway. He's getting a
0: bit puffy. Anyway. Right. Uh, enough of that. Right. So the other thing is he compiled a report on German Zeppelins, which mm. are regarded as this huge, not Tom Cruz, by the way. This is Captain Cummings. <laughs> okay,
1: we're back right. there. Back
0: to, back back to the here. lords. He he put this um, report together about German zeppelins. It mm. was regarded as an intelligence coup, this huge intelligence victory for the English. He didn't bother to tell them that it was publicly available in Germany. He just had it translated into English.
1: I mean, that's smart.
0: Now, The most famous thing he did, the thing he was really famous for, was he lost his leg in a car accident in France. And actually, his son died in the same car accident. So he used to spread the legend that he cut his own leg off so he could get to his son before he died and he didn't do that. All these different things. But he wound up with a wooden leg. Now, whenever he was recruiting somebody... He'd never tell them he was recruiting them for MI6. He'd just set up an interview with them, and it was very monotone, very boring. And then at any given point, he'd just pick up a knife and stab himself in the wooden leg. <laughs> if you flinched, the interview was over. Okay. Right, you're out. Okay. If you didn't flinch, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, some guy picks up a knife and stabs himself in the leg. Who is not going to flinch? But if you didn't flinch, if you kept your cool, it was fine. You were fine. You were regarded as in. He would explain what you were really being recruited for, and away you went.
1: I feel like if you can look at that and not flinch, then you're a little bit of a psychopath.
0: Well, and maybe that's what MI5 or MI6 were looking for. Now, he enjoyed doing it so much. He enjoyed the reactions he got from people so much mm. that he started it was doing his party it. trick. Yeah, he started doing it at state dinners and major functions, mm. right? Like just, just sitting there next to, say, you know, the ambassador of Greece or yep. the king of Holland or whatever. And he just pick up a knife and start stabbing himself in the leg as a gag, which probably <laughs> made <laughs> it yeah. <It's> so funny. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, <laughs> there is one other thing that Captain Cummings, yeah, Captain Cummings, and it, it has a lot of. Is he of going? Wait for it. Okay. He had a saying, right? Every man has his own stylus. Okay. Because he discovered that semen was a great invisible ink. Oh, here we go. Captain coming. Yep. Invisible ink. Semen. Semen. Now, here's the problem.
1: As in in people who work on ships? Or not?
0: No, 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 no. Okay. Every man... Has his own Same. stylus. Right, uh. his own stylus. Basically, you're walking around with a pen in your hand.
1: Okay. Um, now, the. Why big, is it in your hand all the time?
0: Well, obviously, if you've got to write something.
1: <laughs> what do we. Okay, there are so many questions and no answers.
0: Now, here's the interesting thing it was a very effective invisible ink as long as it was fresh. Because there was – This is
1: going – like this – but doesn't it stick? Like there are so many questions. Why, why, why? Wait, wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. wait. We're not through this yet. Wait, 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 wait. wait. You shouldn't sit like that with your arms (laughs) wide open.
1: I'm like shocked right now.
0: Now, if you think that's bad, Mm. one of the MI6 officers, Major Dick Holmes, I'm not kidding. This is all real. Cummings,
1: Dick, okay. Yeah, Cummings,
0: Dick. uh, Now, Dickie, he had a problem. He'd save his up in a jar and use it later.
1: Oh my god, I can't even. I, I, <laughs> like, I'm like trying not to throw up right now. And there. they yep.
0: knew they were getting a letter from Dicky because the letter would smell. It was rats. Can
1: we just not? Like, is this real?
0: This is real. Okay. This is absolutely real. This was the basis. This MI6 uh, Captain Cumming, dear Collins, um, invisible ink, and um, wow. Just imagine. look. I
1: didn't have any of this on my bingo card right now. <laughs> I know,
0: but imagine. Oh, gee, I've got to write a letter i think of something. Um, (laughs) I need a visual. I need visual. Yeah. I need inspiration. What am I going to write about? What am I going to use to write about it? Right. So the interesting thing is this was the basis of the modern intelligence organization. This was the guy that was recruiting people in. Now it's really, really different. Okay. Right. One.
1: No one one uses that anymore? no, No. No one stabs
0: himself in the leg. I did, but it was a real leg. So it was messy and nothing happened. Look, put it this way. When I was working at ASIO... ASIO was one of the first organizations in the world to publicly advertise for positions in the organization. Okay. Right. And the first thing they advertised for were surveillance officers. And we got lots of lots of letters from people going, I'm ready to kill if I have to. Which is like, nope. <laughs> right? yeah. Everyone who went, oh, Yeah, I've learned karate and uh I know how to break a man's neck. Yep, okay, don't, we don't need you either. That was a great way of getting out. Basically it was people who went, I just need a job and I want something interesting. Yep. You'll be in. Yeah. Right. So it's very professional these days, right? Uh, and basically, it's like pretty much any recruitment to any job. Yeah. Right? You go in, you get interviewed. You might get a second interview. You might have to do a psych test. They you'd might, have to do a psych test. They'll surely. check. Although you'd definitely yeah. do a psych yeah. test. <laughs> how I got through that, again, a better
1: actor than I yeah, realised.
0: Yeah. Right. Now, one of the things that everyone talks about now is social media and how that affects your ability to get a job.
1: Well, I mean, this is a really big question because it's not even just, you know, ASIO. It's like any job. Now people Google your name and yeah. go through pour through your social media.
0: Now, expect ASIO or any intelligence organisation to do just that. They are going to look at your social media. It's very important for them yeah. to look at your social media. But it's not a, it's not a game changer. It, yeah. it can be. If it's got constant photos of you sculling a bottle of Stolichnaya while, you know, dancing with Cossacks, it could cause a problem.
1: Maybe you have got a Russian fetish.
0: Maybe you've got a Russian fetish. Uh, but the big thing about having a social media presence is it gives you an automatic cover. Right, because
1: oh yeah, because if you if you didn't have a social media presence, then there's something very suspicious. It's already about you. suspect. All right, yeah.
0: uh, a friend of mine has a new partner. Everyone went, oh, quick, good limb, nothing, and everyone went, hang on a minute, what's going on? It was really, and it was just like the guy went. I'm just, I'm not into it.
1: Well, that's because we're in this whole new world where people get Googled before you even meet them. Exactly. Perhaps, but Particularly if you date, if you're going out on a date with someone. Yeah.
0: Now, I mean, as my wife and I always say, thank God the internet didn't exist when we started going out. Or... Oh
1: my God, thank God the internet didn't exist when I was younger, because let yeah. me tell you, I've been in some dodgy situations. Oh no, really? I know it's really surprising for most people, yeah. but it's it's pretty dodgy. You know, I
0: haven't been in a few dodgy <laughs> situations. That's pretty much how it works for me. Yeah. So the whole, I mean. If you look at my social media presence, it's just photos of Sydney Harbour. Now, (laughs) Mine are just
1: photos of me at premieres.
0: Right. So it won't kill your chances. No. In fact, it's a great way of building your cover story. Yeah. right, And it's also a great way of if you wind up doing case officer work, so you're in the field, it is a great way of bolstering your cover. So, you know, if you're a YouTube, if you've got a YouTube channel but you you decide I want to join ASIO, they won't turn around and say, you know, and your YouTube channel might be, you know, woodwork. Mm. You know, I'm I'm mad for woodwork. I'll show you how to put up a bookshelf. That sort of thing. They're not going to tell you to stop. They might actually turn around and say, keep going. Even during the recruiting process and after, keep doing it because that becomes cover.
1: But I've got a question. So if you do get into the organization and you do do field work, surely if you have an Instagram account, they could go through that and they could leverage people who like your photos, people who get tagged in your photos and find out who your friends are and who you're dating.
0: Totally. That's if you give them your name. Right. Now, if you're doing a recruit uh, recruitment, if you're trying to recruit an agent. But what
1: about facial recognition?
0: Oh, yeah. See, that's, it's buggering it up now, isn't it? Yeah, AI. Yeah, 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 Right. So AI and all that sort of thing, that can cause problems. Yes. But generally, you are dealing with people who aren't expecting it. If you know what I mean. Right, so a great quote is, working for the CIA isn't like 24, it's more like the office. And working for ASIO is exactly the same. Just
1: a bunch of fools being funny. Basically,
0: (laughs) the same crap that goes on at you know, in the office, is pretty much the same crap that goes okay. on in the office. Yes, somebody photocopied their ass during the Christmas party. Right. Because that's what people do at Christmas parties. Um, of course, that is now on file and that ass has been recognised by IA. If anyone sees that ass, that guy's dead, mate. Yeah. Uh, right. So that's recruiting an officer. Yes. It's a very, very stable thing. I mean, once vetting starts, it can take a long time. And also – If you're just an office worker, if you're an analyst or you're in the office, if you're not going into the field, it's not as high pressure. But if you are a field officer and most generalists will cycle through a field position at some point, that becomes very important to watch. Now, recruiting an agent's very, very different. Now, we've we've spoken about MICE, money ideology, compromise, ego, that one. Now, one thing that's come up that and it came up, uh, Burjo, our mate Burjo, DG of our lo-
1: Like he's not really our mate, but yeah, we'll call him our mate. He'd like to
0: be, I'm sure. He sits there, he lies in bed at night going, why don't they call? I know. <laughs> he, he wonders. Yeah, no, he doesn't. Yeah. Right, so the last time he was in front of Senate Estimates, he was talking about how academics in Australia have to be very careful at the moment. Yes. Because intelligence organisations are trying to recruit them. Yep. Now, that made me go, okay, how would they do that? How do we go about recruiting a, an on LinkedIn.
1: Academic- no,
0: I mean yes, there is that with
1: through university.
0: No, through conferences.
1: Oh, that makes sense. Right
0: now, the great thing is this, and again, because academics of this, get
1: a little loose on tour. No, not just
0: that. <laughs> it's really easy to start a rapport with somebody. Yeah, it right is. now, the great thing is it's called a cold call, where you basically walk up to somebody and say, "We need you to work for us. I'm from the, you know, I'm from ASIO. I need you to do something for me." Yeah. Now that doesn't often work. You'd be surprised. A lot of people go piss off and piss off now, but. Sometimes, if you put it, frame it right the right way, we need your help to do this. Most people will go, okay, fine, I'll help.
1: Yeah, but it's interesting because we're so acutely aware of scams nowadays. I wonder what the trust level is with with regular people.
0: That's why you go through what's called the courtship with most of them. Okay. Now, with academics, I love being courted. Being courted. It oh, it's very nice. Mm-hmm. Now, the great thing is with courtship at, at something like a conference and every intelligence organisation would do this. They mm. all use conferences because there's a lot of people in the one room. It's very easy to make contact with somebody – but you do it gently. One guy basically said that his tactic was to find the target. Now, the target will be investigated, yep. thoroughly investigated, and you know they'll identify who they want. They'll, they'll go through his entire background. And then basically this guy would walk up, bump into him, go, sorry, don't you hate crowds? And the other guy would go, just terrible. Yeah, see you around. And that's it. Mm. First contact is just to get the guy familiar with your face. Yeah. right. Oh, you. So, you know – Two months later, you're at another conference in Istanbul and you, oh, my God, it's you. How are mm. you? Yeah. Right. Ba, 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 ba. Have a chat and then walk away. Three months later at another conference in Lima. Yep. I'm like, oh my God, we keep meeting like this. What the hell? This is funny. And then you go, Would you like to catch up? We keep seeming, seeming to catch up with each other. Let's have a drink. And then while you're having a drink, so you and I are having a drink, you're a scientist I'm trying to recruit. And I might turn around and say, Oh, I read this fantastic paper recently about how the penguin is an incredibly effective animal for gathering intelligence. No, okay. I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Just, I, I would bring up something that and, you're interested in that I'm interested in that I know you wrote. Yeah. Right? So my first thing is, and this works with journalists as well.
1: Because the one thing I know about academics is they get off on being recognised. their work getting recognised.
0: To yeah, everybody. <laughs> That's the ego portion of yeah. the M-I-C-E. Yeah. Right? So the whole thing is, basically, we appeal to your ego by saying, I read this fascinating report. Yeah,
1: you'd probably like it.
0: It's a bit like Carrie Fisher in um, When Harry Met Sally, when yep. she goes, yeah, I heard that – you know, someone said that pastor is the quiche of the 90s, and um, – I can't remember the actor's name, no, but he turns around and goes, "I wrote that." That is the kind of thing we're mm. trying to get going. It's like you go, "Oh my god, yeah, I wrote that." Yeah, oh yeah, no yeah. way, I really. Oh my need... god,
1: that's so great. That's so amazing. Yeah, yeah, you
0: wrote... yeah. Oh, yeah. And then of course you might sort of go, "Ah, oh, you know," and I know that you like scuba diving. I went, mean, "You know, I'm you know that's interesting." So what are you up to tomorrow? Oh, well, actually, I'm going to go scuba diving. No way, you're going to go. Love scu- scuba I
1: love scuba. You love scuba diving. Yeah. I love scuba. Yeah. Oh right. my god. Now we're best friends. Now we're best friends, and that's
0: the whole thing. Yes. Until at the end, you turn around and go, "I'm not your best friend." Um, I am your best friend, but I've been lying to you. My name's not David. It's actually Donald, and I work for ASIO, and we need you to work for us. Now, what's your reaction going to be with that? You're looking at me with these eyes and like going, I haven't slept in four days. Well,
1: no, like my reaction to, I don't yet. know if my reaction would be favorable to that because I feel like you've just lied to my face. Exactly,
0: right? Now, that's the big point. Right, mm. when they go, hang on, and it does, it feels, it, does it feel very manipulative? Yes. Well, it should be. It's and most, be.
1: the one thing I know about most women, we hate being manipulated.
0: Yes, but here's the thing mm. if the intelligence officer is smart enough, and they generally are, you know, and there is a great case of a, an Iranian nuclear scientist mm. who was being recruited by MI6. And when it finally came out, the recruiting officer turned around to him and said, Allah put us together for this. And we're going to save Iran because mm. Iran's going the wrong way. Of course, Bilal turned around to the recruiter and went, you've lied to me. Yep. You've now put me in a position of extreme peril and my family in a position of extreme peril. And you you think I'm going to help you? And the guy turned around and went, these are the reasons why. Right? This is what's going wrong. This is where your country is heading. This is why we don't want to destroy your country. We want to stop them from destroying themselves. Yes. And eventually Bilal wound up going, yes, I'll work for you. Done, Yeah. right? Now, the thing is you've got a case officer, a recruiter, who's incredibly good at their job. These guys are really good. It's one of the things we're taught when when you do an interview for an organisation like ACO is don't lie because every lie can be exposed.
1: Absolutely, because you can also forget your lies.
0: You can forget your lies. Now, here's an interesting point that was made. But if you do lie and you get away with it, Well, we really want you to work for us because you know how to lie. Yeah. Right? Now, that's the thing with this. Now, with conferences, intelligence organizations will go so far as to literally set a conference up. Yeah. Like they will go, let's build an entire conference just for that one guy. And there's a great example where the CIA did it. They set up this huge conference, mm. right? They basically had agents working on the staff, you know, as staff in the hotel down to the kitchen so they could put something in the guy's meal so he'd get a st- upset stomach. And while he's sort of in the bathroom, that's when they can make That's the intense. approach. Like seriously intense. They had the guy, he was an Iranian, another Iranian. This is how – a lot of this has come from a report on how the uh, CIA have cracked the Iranian nuclear program. Well, they had. Whether they still have is unknown. Mm. But the whole thing was they basically set this whole thing up in this lavish hotel and, you know, it was it was tailor-made for this guy to go. The only problem was he looked at the price in the hotel and went, no, I'm going to stay somewhere else. Right. So he would buggered off to a different hotel – so the CIA had to then rapidly link into the video in the hotel, bug his room, and wait for a moment where the guards, his guards, had fallen asleep, because they realized that the guards would fall asleep, but he would stay awake. Mm-hmm. So they're in another room. Like, they'd have two rooms side by side, that classic one with the door handle, the door in the middle between them. Basically, the guards would go to sleep. He'd be awake. They walked up and knocked on his door and went, we're with the CIA, and we want you to get on the plane and come back to the US with us. All right. So this guy basically went, uh, and they went, "Come and have a talk to us, and grab your ice bucket." And the guy was like, "What do I need the ice bucket for?" Because if your guards wake up and you're not in the room, when you come back, you'll have a bucket of ice. Yeah, like, really simple stuff like that. Yeah. Now the interesting thing was, yes, they recruited him, but the thing was, he turned around and said, "I will only go if you get my family out." And they went, Okay, that's fine.
1: That's easy. Right.
0: Now there have been other moments where they've recruited people to defect. One guy went, I want my family. Yes. And can you bring my mistress as well?
1: (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, yeah, an
0: academic with a mistress. Go figure. Right. So this is the thing. It's like once you've got them, you've now got to play their game. You've got to get you've got to have some sort of reciprocity. There was an interesting one where one scientist wanted to finish his PhD and he wanted to do it at MIT. Mm. And he said, You've got to guarantee that I'll get in to do my PhD at MIT. And CIA went, Can't do it. We can't make that promise. We'll do everything we can, but we can't make the promise. They then approached MIT and went, No, we're not going to just put the guy in. And it's like, Can you waive the normal application? Because again, we don't want him identified, mm. right? So can you waive the application and find another way of getting him in? They sat him down with three professors who grilled him and then at the end went, Yeah, put, sign him up. The guys have.
1: A, yes. a genius.
0: Doctorate and done. Now, I mean, this is the sort of thing that you've got to do. Once you've got them on the hook, you've still got to you know, it's not just the bait you want, you've got to keep feeding them. Yep. Now, the interesting thing is the recruiter does not maintain contact with the agent. The recruiter generally then breaks all contact with agent and it gets handed over to a handler. Because they built the relationship. Up.
1: I know, I've I've watched The Americans. Yeah,
0: right. Now, with academics, there's one other little part of the academics part, program that is really, really clever, which is students. Yep. Now, would you think of uh, recruiting a student would be a good idea?
1: Recruiting a student? Yeah. Yes, because if, if they have promise.
0: Ah, oh, that's an interesting point. They also have access mm. because there's a great case, a guy by the name of Liu Ruoping. Now, Liu Peng was a Chinese student Mm -hmm. and is now a Chinese billionaire. He was working in a group. uh, He was an engineering student and he was working uh, with a professor who was working at DOD on metamaterials. So things like, you know, titanium alloys and carbon fiber and all that sort of stuff. Well, the thing was, um, Liu was one of the students working in his research lab. And because the research lab had no security because it was on campus as opposed to a research lab at the DOD, right, he had access to all this material. Eventually it was found out that he was stealing stuff. He denied it wholly. I never did it. I didn't do that. Not me. Swore blind that he had nothing to do with it. Was sent home to China to a hero's welcome. But the Chinese also went, no, we're just walking back this poor guy that you picked on. And he's a billionaire because he now
1: has a company that makes…
0: Metamaterials. Yes,
1: that he did not steal. But he didn't
0: steal anything. No. It just, it, oh,
1: oh, right. He just paid a lot of attention. So
0: this is the thing as well. This is why ASIO have turned around to Australian academics, students and yes. professors, and said, guys, be on your guard because you are now the weak link in the intelligence chain, right? Uh, and also- Particularly
1: you... like with academics, there's a lot of ego.
0: Well, that's the interesting thing. As I said, one of the things they f- love about academics is they're always desperate for funding. Right, so if you turn around and go, oh, we can pay for that. Now, there is the uh, a lot of the, the cases. They're desperate
1: for funding and recognition.
0: Funding and recognition. So you've got the money and the, the yep. ego. Yeah. So you don't need ideology and compromise. No. Though, interesting enough, the Bilal case was a very interesting one where they basically had to appeal to his ideology mm. by saying, we want you to do your best work, but we don't want your country to suffer because of your best work. Come and work for us. Right. Work on work for us and help us save your country. Yep. So that becomes – so you've got the ego, the compromise. The, the compromise would have been the friendship, right? You're now a friend of ours because that's the other thing is once you're heavily enmeshed in a relationship with the recruiter, the recruiter can virtually turn around and say, okay, well, what we're going to do is tell your government that if you are absolutely – I'm not going to have anything to do with you, great. What we want you to do now is go home. Because we're going to tell your government that you've been talking to us for the last two years. Right. Right. So there's that as well. There is the threat of compromise always exists. There was a great one where a guy in Moscow was utterly compromised because the KGB kept getting him blackout drunk and then having him sleep with young men and taking photos and film of it. And he was waking up going, oh, geez, what happened? Wow. There's nothing left in my pen to write with.
1: Um, <laughs> He's run out of ink. I'm out of ink. How did that
0: happen? <laughs> did I write a letter to someone? Um, oh, it smells. Yeah, I did. Um, the whole thing was the whole thing was he basically well, the, the KGB turned around and went. Here are the photos. Here's the film. Check out the sound quality. All that sort of stuff, and basically turned him on a hard compromise. So that's mm. that's a honey trap.
1: Basically, what they tried to say about Trump. And, yeah, and the PP video. The PP
0: video. I mean, like, interesting enough, there are there's reports coming out now that the KGB of base or KGB and now the FSB looked at Trump as being a perfect oh of um, bad is. actor because
1: ego is what he's all about.
0: Like, he like ego, money. You know, he was easily compromised. Uh, yep. he had no ideology, so it was easy to just forget about that. Money
1: is his ideology. Money is
0: the ideology. So the bottom line is the thing we started with was this, you know, old school Thai style recruitment with yeah. MI six and MI5, which still kept going right through till the sixties. The new like what we call the neo modern intelligence organization that we have now, mm. that has become so bureaucratic. And so mundane. wait. There's a government
1: organisation that's filled with bureaucracy. God, I don't I'm go shocked, go. and probably filled with middle management because God, they love a middle manager.
0: Everyone loves a middle manager because they're the people that make the money. Mm. Uh, right. So essentially, yeah. what, we would, what we what I wanted to talk about today, and I think we've covered it quite well, is the fact that getting into an organisation as an ordinary worker, as yeah. an officer, is time consuming but simple if you're the right candidate. Getting recruited as an agent, takes about three to four times as long as very – and you won't know it's being done until they spring the trap. Right. So bottom line for all of you people that have been following us on Twitter, at I Podcast.
1: At I Podcast.
0: For those questions that you wanted to answer, I hope we have answered them well.
1: Well, there was a lot of words there, so I think something came out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of words. Yeah, God bless Captain Cumming. Why can't we have men like him anymore? I
1: just wish he was going.
0: Oh, I wish he'd gone.